This episode of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike is brought to you by Dream Symbols, manufacturers of handmade, hand-hammered symbols at very affordable prices. So please follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for at Dream Symbols and check them out. Goodness gracious, it is time for episode 102 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com, and my co-host who will be joining me shortly is Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. After Mike and I get all caught up and talk about the year of time, we're going to talk about choosing drum heads and finding that personal recipe that works for the sound you're going for. Our featured artist this time is Mr. Clyde Stubblefield. In our gear review section, Mike will be checking out a bunch of Ludwig Acrylite snares. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions, and as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. All right, I'm going to count it. you in in four. <laughs> One, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, that was the worst one ever. All right. Uh, good morning, my friend. Good morning. So how many times have you cried? Oh, man. So far, no tears. <laughs> okay. Everything's good. Uh, yeah. One day, I would say we had one day of, maybe not denial, but one day of the lady camper's hit smacking that reality thing just going like whoa i okay i thought i played drums but now i just feel like i really suck and which is that's normal i think all the campers go through that but then i could just tell they there were a few of them retreating into themselves like okay i suck so i'll i'll just be quiet i'm not gonna be a part of this i'll just try to be unnoticed and it's like whoa sorry there's i mean with me included there's only nine of us there's no way to hide so we're going to have to just figure out where you are, embrace the hell out of that, and move forward. And so it was It was a really cool difference. So I'm on – today will be day three. Day one was pretty rough. And it's not rough on the drumming. Like I don't – you know, hell, if you can just hold a stick, we can move forward from there. So I don't care about that. But I could just feel that the, the vibe in the room was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, this i'm not having any fun and it's like oh, okay <laughs> and i can't you know unfortunately it's a camp and there are there are people here that can play their asses off or so i have to we have to work on some cool stuff so anyways yesterday it was like they all just bonded together and supported each other and the mess ups became a little more laughable you know instead okay. of embarrassing it was kind of like oh wow i suck at that now we'll all laugh and clap and have fun it's like yeah I mean, what what are we gonna do? Cry about it? Like, yeah. and I don't mean like cry, cry. I just mean like, what are you gonna do? Complain? Like, no, let's go. Yeah, and, and, if, and if they so, sounded good at everything, then why be there? That's a tough one to get through to anybody. Um, yeah, and I and I told the ladies, I said honestly, like you guys just handle it a little bit different. You know, when you when you mess up, you really know that you messed up, but then you internalize it and really take it to heart. The guys completely train wreck, and they're like, bam, yeah. nailed that stuff. And I'm like, well, let's get a little more introspective. Not quite. Uh, yeah, the, the tendency I, I see often is like, yeah, yeah, I understand, I understand. I'm like, but do you really? Do you really understand? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I, I think that's our conditioned response as males to be like, no, I've got it. Directions, never. You know, <laughs> GPS, not for me. I can drive to L.A. just by using the stars. Now, um, how many times have you gone into a Home Depot or a Lowe's or whatever and refused to ask anyone where that one screw is that you need? No, every time. Every time, right? You walk every around time, the yeah. entire store. I see the dude for- at Lowe's with his blue apron on. I'm like, what's up, bro? 
How you doing? I'm just looking he's for like, this do you random any? light bulb that I have no idea where it is. <laughs> I love when he's like, do you need any help? Because I've seen you 11 times. And I'm like, no, I don't need any help. I know exactly what I'm looking for, even though my basket is empty. Don't you worry about it. All right, Al? Just keep on moving. So, uh, so yeah. So it's just a, a little bit different. But uh, by yesterday, especially by last night, it really felt like a camp. And here's something really cool. So I would say... In almost every camp, I do a little production, uh, I guess, like mock uh, mock recording. So I put them out on the kit. I give them a song they've never heard before, and then I, get, I give them a dry run, and then we keep chipping away and keep chipping away, and let's move the bass drum here. Let's bring those hi-hats down, and then eventually the song sounds really good. I can't do that until the last day of camp almost, or at least the second to the last day, because it's so – you're just up there, and you feel so vulnerable, mm-hmm. and – and usually when a producer's telling you to do something, especially when you're not used to it, you can't hear what the heck they're talking about. Like, hey, you're rushing a little. And it's like, well, if I could hear that I was rushing, I wouldn't be freaking rushing. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so they're up there and they're, you know, I can't do that on day one and have eight strangers staring at them. I did it yesterday on day two, which I've never done before, just because there was so much support in the room. I was like, I think they can handle this and they need it. And so we went through and talked about things that are more important than Phil's, like, why did you do a fill? When should you do a fill? What does a fill actually do for the music? When should you crash? You know, and so we kind of were able to take out the fills that were random, take out the crashes that were just personal resets of time, um, simplify the bass drum patterns. You know, we had people that had great bass drum uh, skill sets, but didn't think about how it applied to the music. So, anyways, we, yeah, day cool. two was really cool, and we got off to a good start. So I'm excited. Dig it. Yeah, you know, that's that's yeah, the the often overlooked step is how do you apply all this crap that we practice you know and i'm learning that more as i'm practicing more guitar and bass it's like yeah i can play all these chords but can i play one beat of one chord and three beats of another chord like it's right. so just start applying i'm like oh i can't go from a minor to g major i just can't do it <laughs> you know? yeah that's man i mean carving time out for the creative which is what i'm really hammering home in this camp you can just tell that they're begging for like, okay, but could you just put it on a piece of paper for me? And it's like, no, no, that's the point is you did that already. Now I need you to make something. And it's, that's a tough place to be. But the good thing about creativity is if you don't have it naturally, it can be practiced to the point that you, you can start to have a conversation, you know? I mean, yeah. very few people learn how to speak English without learning any words or, you know, just wake up and speak. Yeah. And by very few, I think, I mean, none ever. <laughs> yeah, right. So you, you have to, you know, you have to learn the vocabulary. But then the next thing is if you never learned how to speak, you would only have words. And so you have to then get into conversations with people. I, I really think that every person in the world should watch that, uh, a Victor Wooten video that Ted did. It's only like two and a half minutes long, yeah, but about that's a good one, yeah. you know, music is a language too, and and just the way he says about how you know when you were a baby you were allowed to jam with professional speakers. Yeah, you just tried, and <laughs> I, I think that stuff's important. So, what's going on in your world, bud? I, I learned that I can't play halftime shuffles without the snare drum on beat three. That was that was a new okay. thing for me. I'm like, oh, I've never tried to play a a displaced backbeat in a halftime shuffle feel before. Wow. Okay, well, that just that sentence brings up something. So when you think of a halftime shuffle, you don't think of it as 16th note triplets and snare on two and four. I think you think that, of it as eighth note triplets and you move the snare from two to three. I do. I mean, I think of it okay. in, in, in strictly as a halftime shuffle. So the backbeat is now on beat three instead of two and four. Gotcha, gotcha. So then displacing, what was I doing? 
I was putting the snare on the third triplet of beat two, and that was just screwing me up. So it's just third triplet one and the two and uh yeah. Yeah, man. I, and then all yeah. of a sudden, I'm like, wait, where do my ghost notes exactly. go? Do I ghost into that uh? <laughs> exactly. And then do I have to ghost after that uh? Which gives me ghost accent ghost? Yep. And ghost the down. Wow. Mm, I don't know. Well, I think I was just leaving the ones around that accent out, but I was trying to make yeah. sure they were in there. But it was, you know, it was fun. It was one of those things where I'm like, wow, I've practiced this beat at maybe a total of 100 hours, and I've never once thought to, like, I know. Play Isn't that crazy? Snare drum on a different spot. <laughs> Every weird. time, man. Every time when somebody, you know, says something super simple and I'm like, really? Yeah. Really? I've had that no actually the one of the classes that I'm building for the twenty one drums camp, which is in two weeks, um, one of the classes that I'm building for that is a whole class about doing incredible things with the things you already know, but you've just never organized them in this way. So yeah. no one in the class will have to learn anything new. They'll just have to move things around that they've never put together before. Um, Interesting. And I'm really excited about that. All right. So before we get into uh, talking about drum heads, we got to talk about time. Because as you know, I'm going through my year of time. Mm, yeah. You know, and I keep slipping every it's like it goes up and down. Some days I'm like I'm unshakable and other days I'm like, What? What is a click? Really? What is happening? Really? Yeah. Like today it was because I've 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 changed my my basic metronome pulse from feeling it on the third triplet to trying to feel it on the middle triplet. Mm. You know, and it's just it just keeps it keeps speeding up on me. Dang, click keeps speeding up on me. <laughs> I, I'm fairly certain that there's been a lot of power surges in full set because I'm pretty good. There's no way that I'm off. Um, so, okay, well then, before I get into my thing, let me ask you, how do you feel now when there is no click? Do you still feel like you're internalizing the time really well? Like, has all the click work helped you internalize the time when there is no click? Absolutely. Now, okay, I wouldn't say that 10, 15 years ago when I had only practiced with the click on the downbeat. Mm. I would say that was more of a crutch, and then I was using the click as my virtual conductor. Okay. But now that I'm not using it on the downbeat, and yeah, it's it's so much because I know I've realized when I start to shift off the click, it's because I'm not I'm listening to the click and not focusing on my own time. If I just go gotcha. confidently and like I know I'm in time, the click is on the middle triplet. It's going to stay there. It's usually not an issue. It's when I start listening to it, I'm like is it right? Is it faster? Is it slower? Then boom, right. I'm off. It's flipping. Every yeah, single time. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually finding myself now I'm having to go back to subdivisions because I'm getting the click thing. It, it, it's getting there. Um, but then, but now I actually can hear where my subdivisions are loose, which is what's uh, yeah. technically throwing off my time. You yeah. know, we talked about it last week. When you rush one little diddle, you've rushed everything. Yep, exactly. Everything has moved forward in time. So. So yeah, so I, I actually pulled out the old beatnik last night, and oh my, <laughs> yeah, and I, I went through instead of just working on you know maybe hand to hand singles, I, I moved the subdivision to sixteenth uh, note triplets, and I just worked on all my sticking patterns that involve combinations of singles and doubles. So yeah. paradiddle diddle right hand lead, paradiddle diddle left hand lead, double paradiddles, six stroke rolls, uh, and yeah, that was a, I, I never once got past seventy percent accuracy. Yeah. That's that, um, that machine there. I think is just as valuable. Is more for me. It's just like I think I'm right. Let me see if I'm actually right. 
And then you're yeah. like, nope, back to keep go back to the shed. Work for a little I did harder. finally. It was actually my first time ever doing um, what I think you do every time, which is it was my first time plugging headphones into it. So oh, yeah. I knew there was really no helps. latency between yeah. the machine and my playing. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> yeah, it did. Uh, my accuracy didn't get any better, <laughs> but at least I knew for a fact you can feel I really it, was right? that like, bad. I can actually yes. feel because it's the buds are in my ear. I can feel the click like hitting my eardrum, and I can yeah. feel the stick hitting the pad. Yes. It's like, ah, it's I, it, not there yet. <laughs> yeah, totally. And um, and I just went through different tempos, and I tried to find like the tempos where the percentage went down. So it's a great charting thing. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a great thing for at night. You know, I was able to do it at home last night at 11 p.m. with the door closed in the drum room and not, you know, not bother Amber. So. Right. Yeah. All right. So I want to drop in. So uh, we are going to be giving my year of time updates about a week um I guess a week in the past. So last week, my big new thing that I was working on was two bars of click and two bars of gap, which is a long gap for me. That sure um, is. But I wasn't. I, I got it to the point where grooving it was fine. Improvising it was okay as long as I stayed in one subdivision. So what you're mm. going to hear is me improvising between sixteenth notes, sixteenth note triplets, and thirty-second notes with two bars of click and two bars of gap. And so heads up, students and listeners and drummers, uh, I can't do this. And critics. (laughs) Heads up, East Coast people that have been writing me death threats since day one. This is not good. That's why I want you to hear it. I'm working on it, and uh, this was last week. It's gotten a lot better in a week, so I'll I'll update you guys. But uh, let's give it a listen. So first question, were you intentionally playing the hi-hat on the offbeat as an anchor, or is that just... A, yes. Okay, so that was a deliberate decision. Yeah. Um, I felt that um, I just needed something in my body to lock in. That mm-hmm. that two bars of gap, it, it honestly feels like a month. Man, that was um, so <laughs> and it's so hard. You know, beats one through, I'd say, six, if we're thinking of it as eight quarter notes, Beats one through six are fine, and beats seven and eight is such a mental guessing game. Mm. Have I rushed this whole thing, and should I drag it? <laughs> Have I dragged this whole thing, and should I rush it? And it just sucks, man. And you know what's funny is I'm so focused on the gap, you can hear in there that I'm not even playing the click part flawlessly in time, right? <laughs> right. Because yeah. I'm so worried about the gap, and then when I come in either early or late, then it takes me a bar of click to readjust to where I was and, be, and reset myself. Like, okay, this is the right time. Uh, like I said, with a groove, it was much closer to being in time. 
but with constant improvisation. And that's what I was trying to find. I'm always trying to find like, okay, what can I do? Cool. I don't really care about that. What can I not do so that I can say, oh, the the problems are showing up when I improvise in these specific subdivisions. Um, so, so what I did, which you don't get to hear, is then I started taking specific subdivisions out. Now I'm only going to improvise in 16th note triplets in 30 seconds. Were the 16th notes the problem? Then I take out the 16th note triplets. It's only straight time of 16th and 30 seconds. And then if everything locks in that one, I go, okay, so it's those dang 16th note triplets. You know? <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, or the shift or between whatever. Yeah, yeah. a 4-to-1 ratio to a 6-to-1 ratio to an 8-to-1 ratio. So um, That's a tough one to internalize um, because it's it's faster and slower than you expect. Like, like it's mm-hmm. it's the shifts are faster and slower than you than I think you naturally we naturally perceive. Um, yeah, so I mean, what is going on in your head? Yeah. This because this is I'm thinking back when I was you know in the stage where you're at when I first said all right I'm going to practice this stuff every day. Mm-hmm. The big question for me was what the hell do I think about? <laughs> you know what <laughs> what do I think sure. about all the subdivisions? Do I think about the quarter note? Do I just go zen and not think about anything? I have yeah, I, well, I have tried my kind of devices. But I'm wondering what are you thinking about? I'm trying to have two parts of my brain going at the same time. One is shouting the pulse, not the numbers, because I feel it's two bar phrases. I'm not getting lost of like where the one is. Yeah. Um, I'm shouting the pulse, and I'm singing the subdivision of what I'm playing. So there's a okay. part of my – it's like almost like my left ear is still going, doot, doot, <laughs> doot, and my right ear is going – Dang, and it goes bing, and I'm like, dang it. And I've actually been working on that in the car. Like I just put the click on and I just sing those subdivisions. And I do it with snapping. Interesting. So I've got a something i want you to experiment with for the next week because okay. I, I have a hypothesis that you would probably see better results if you use an offbeat gap click well put it on the end now, okay you would see i think you would see better growth okay gotcha uh i my the the click experiment that i'm working on now has a little bit of that in that so okay. i'll do that this week and then we'll talk about the next one uh, okay. next time. But I, I will I will absolutely do that for sure. Um, my reason God. is I think because if, if you if the downbeat is never given to you, then you have to be so confident in it. Mm. Okay. So I think that might force you to clear all the other mud out of the way and just make sure that the downbeat is is solid. Sure. That's just a guess. It might completely no, derail you well, and make you never want to practice it ever again. But the know. thing is I one thing that we need to give, especially to the uh, the newer drummers out there is the. I think we almost drilled this on episode one of our podcast, which is practicing will never make you worse. Yeah. Right. So what you right. need is something to practice, and then and if you trust it, you'll just do it. And so I, I can't imagine that I'm like, well, I didn't get any wor- or any better. I did it for a week. It's like, well, you'll you'll get better. It's whether or not you have the mental fortitude to handle the the stress that comes with failing while doing yeah, it and problem solving and that's on exactly. the spot yeah i'm in i'm in i will do it all right, all right. well um you know what's great about this is since i'm going through this we just get to assume that you have flawless time no i mean i'll, I'll be happy to, to to train wreck on that exercise for you next week <laughs> well i'll give you how about i give you the exercise that's in my head and we'll both train wreck it right. but uh 
I think you would do great at it. All right, let's talk about choosing drum heads. This is an important thing. I actually talk to my rep, Chris Brady, over at uh, Aquarian Drumheads a lot about, I always call it an artist's recipe because you can mix and match so many different ingredients on your drum set. Some people use the same heads all around the kit. Uh, I would say the most simple recipe is what I'm using right now. I can't believe it's taken me 35 years to get here, but I actually use the same exact heads, top and bottom, on the whole kit. And I cannot believe how long it's taken me to get to that simple of a solution. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, and it just, I mean, within the last two months, my last two head orders have been send me all of this. So we'll talk about that in a second. But I think that it's really common to have, obviously, different heads on top and bottom and to have different heads between toms and snare and then, obviously, a completely different animal on the bass drum. So. right. right. Let's talk about getting into it. And let's just assume right now there are no companies. There's just so. Yeah, because um, everyone makes the same kind of concepts. Right, yeah. right. So first thing, you know, we have some some things that kind of put these into categories. We have single ply and double ply. And that's talking about the mylar. That thing that you hit is called mylar. And you can have one sheet of it or you can have two sheets of it. Two sheets of it is going to give you, obviously, a little more durability, but it's also going to warm up and dampen the sound a bit. Uh, and then we also have clear and coated. Now, I think we can all admit that there's CS dots and there's uh, you know uh, ebony heads and everything, but let's just kind of stay in that world. So what do you do when you're choosing drum heads for a session? What's going through your mind? Yeah, for me, it's there's a couple things. I need to think about durability and uh, which really only comes into play for me with the snare drum because I hit the snare drum 10 times as much as I hit the toms. Sure. Uh, and that usually only comes into play if I'm playing live. If it's a three-hour okay. show and I'm going to be hitting full full steam ahead, I'd need to have a, a more durable head on the snare or else it'll become an ashtray by the end of the first set. <laughs> right. Uh, but I think of matching the shell type and construction with a head that's complementary which usually means it's balancing out in one way or the other. So for me, if I'm using my three-ply rounded edge vintage Ludwig kit, I'm not going to put a heavy coated pinstripe on there. <laughs> you know, I have to use something that's a little bit brighter and a little bit more open, so it's usually a coated yeah. single-ply. Okay. On the contrary, if I'm using an acrylic kit, I'm not going to use a clear single-ply because it's just going to accentuate the the bad part of the acrylic. Right. So I'll use a clear double-ply or something like that. So I'd try to... You know, find you know where's the happy. What makes the pendulum balance depending on the drum shell and the edge. Gotcha. Usually, and I don't I don't go beyond basic single ply, double ply. You know, I don't. That's it. I don't go. Occasionally, Crazy. I'll mix it up with some some other design, but those right. two for me kind of give me what I need. Or at least I think we could both say confidently that if we only had access to single ply, double ply, clear encoded. I'd be fine. Yeah, it I wouldn't even so. phase me. Yeah, um, forever. I even think. on the bass drum head, I could make that work with muffling. Yeah, if I was trying to, you know, totally. Once you put a pillow in it, it's fine. So, um, and the other thing that, that's really cool is you get the opportunity to test out every head that's ever been made. Yeah, um, I, I can't imagine how how difficult it must be for you to distinguish the little improvements or the little changes that these companies make. Um, yeah, you know. well, it's kind of. I think it actually. The more I mess around with it, the more. <laughs> the more obvious the changes are, and then at the same okay. time, the less important it is because I feel like I can make, I can kind of coax any sound out of any head, barring like the super thick, 
heavy heads, I can't get like a single right. ply sound. But with muffling and, and tuning and stuff, I can get a single ply to sound thuddier. But I mean, like for instance, the, the what I heard in the Evans UV one was something that I'd not heard in any other drum head before. It so was, that's something that stuck out to you. Yeah, but when you just listen to it, it sounds like a single ply coated head. <laughs> you know? Right. But when well, you start comparing it to what you you regularly use, you can really you can really notice it. You know what I find is that uh, when when I get a batch of heads I, I, for a while, or I guess when I moved to the broadcaster, and in the last year and a half, I got pretty. I kind of fi- felt like I dialed in my cymbal sound, I dialed in my drum sound and my sizes, which was kind of new for me, and then I, I went back to scratch with heads, and I mm. told Chris at Aquarian, just send me. My sizes in almost everything you make, besides the crazy stuff. I'm not going to need a you know a Force 10 or something. Um, and what I realized was single ply, double ply, clear coated. I'm going to tune that drum until it sounds like the exact same kit, no matter what the head is. <laughs> right. So you know, there's nuances. I think it also. I think it. What it really comes down to is making yourself happy. Yeah. I get maybe a little more response out of a certain head that makes me play in a happier way. I get. Uh, a little bit more resonance that no one in the world and no microphone would ever hear, but I hear it from the drummer's chair. Yeah, I can feel it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I can feel it. So I think that as long as you have quality heads, and really, I, I, this is a question that I don't know the answer to. Do we have anyone left besides the big three companies? Is there anybody making kind of, um, I don't want to call it second tier heads, but more like boutique heads? Because I only know of Remo, Evans, and Aquarium. Well, you've got the uh, the new Remo Danette partnership, the Rezo. Right, I know about that. Series. But that's still part of Remo. I, I just meant yeah. like because is a tax still in business? still around. Okay, and, cool. and their their niche is kind of like you know really their prices are lower than everybody else. You can get a bunch okay. of heads. Um, cool. And I think they're made in China, so it's it's. A different. Was there anyone else other than those four ever? Oh gosh. Well, yeah. Back in the day, I mean, I have uh, Canasonic, which are are made of fiberglass. I'm sorry. What did you say? A what? A Canasonic heads. They're made of fiberglass, <laughs> and I we had a couple here at the office. I guess they've been here from when they reviewed them in 1983 or whatever. And I put that on the snare drum, and it sounded like instant, st- like Steely Dan. It just sounded really? like Steely Dan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a weird head. It's it's like a fiberglass fabric stretched over a. Wow, like a real flexible hoop. It was it was strange. I don't know. And then we, I mean, we guess I, I wouldn't consider these drum heads, but Index makes those wood yeah, replacements, right. which is really cool. Yeah, I have one of those on the snare here. Uh, okay, so what is your current drum head recipe? It is either not, not reviewing stuff. I'm just saying your choice. Um, it's as as a default, it's coated single ply top, clear single ply bottom. Okay. Um, I start there. If if I hear a lot of overtones, I'll put a coated on the bottom as well. So it'll be okay. single ply top and bottom coated. If I need just a a darker sound, I'll go coated two ply on top, and then same thing, single it, ply on the right? bottom. And if I hear yeah. too many overtones, I put a coated on the bottom. That's kind of it. Bass drum, I always default to the you know the Power Stroke three style. I, I like Evans right. EQ four and Aquarian. It's the Force one. Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's the single ply head with the muffling with ring, the ring inside. Yep, that's my default. I think I I can get that to work on any situation, and it doesn't over muffle. It doesn't. It gives me flexibility to do a bunch of different. And it stuff. still sounds like a drum set, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's my batter head, and the front head is usually the same thing, or uh, like a single ply coated, or a, or a fiber skin type. That that's been a really nice yeah sometimes. 
that's, that's it awesome. snare drum i mean i by default single ply coded again if it's a drum i know i'm going to be you know smacking the crap out of it i'll put a two ply on there and that's kind of where i roll i mean i mess around with everything else i've tried them all and some heads are really great and some heads i found that just don't work for me but if right. push comes to shove just a single ply coded top yeah, and bottom I, every drum I, i'm i'm with you so that's that's the order that i just placed for the 21 drums camp in the clinic uh there and uh for myself it's just i'm i'm single ply coded top and bottom on the whole kit and then the bass drum is the force one or power stroke style clear or um, coded coded top and bottom on, on the uh bass drum oh on the bass drum uh clear and then uh clear i'm sorry listeners you can't see what i'm doing with my hands <laughs> clear <laughs> i just fell into the radio tv trap like yeah, right. giving you a silent thumbs up um <laughs> <laughs> clear on uh on the uh batter and then coated on the rezzo the coated force one yep so mm-hmm. what's okay so that's that's like the power structure it's got the muffling mm-hmm. ring on the front okay yeah cool. and sometimes uh this is a weird thing i don't know if you've ever run into this with uh i use dw's beaters uh but i use the felt side yeah and sometimes with this with the clear heads I get like a weird squeak of the felt rubbing against the mylar. Oh, kind um, of like a like a pool cue. With yeah, exactly. That exact. <laughs> wow, what in the analogy just happened? That was fantastic. Or would that be a comparison? Either way, that was amazing. It's um, <laughs> first thing I heard, like squeak, squeak. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I and and I don't get that with the coated. So if I'm if I'm huh. doing a lot of stuff where I'm burying the beater on purpose, like a heavier style, then I'll go coated uh, front and back. So. Ah, interesting. And do you use a beater patch? I don't, and I just blew through a bass drum head for the first time in like 20 years uh, yesterday. <laughs> nice. During a live <laughs> lesson, and yeah, and I've never I've never done that. And yeah. I just went straight through it. And uh, <laughs> and I'm the guy that refused Aquarian when they said, do you want us to send you some of those uh, bass drum like, repair kits where you just sl- oh, slap yeah. that huge patch on there even when you break your head? I was like, are you kidding? I haven't broken a bass drum head in forever. And I guess I need to change those out a little more often. <laughs> it's it's so funny. It's like I have like a stack of brand new bass drum heads in the back room. But changing t- toms and snares, like it's right there for me. And I'm like, I don't even have to take it off the dang drum set. But yeah. the bass drum, I'm like, I'm going to have to undo my pedal. Yeah, and you got I all got those to move claws the to deal with. Yeah, yeah, there's like all these claws. I can't <laughs> find my drill bits. I'm going to have to do it with a drum key. Like it's like 1982. <laughs> and I've just become so lazy. And then, uh, yeah, went uh, put my foot right through the dang thing. So Nice. I don't have this to be able to use a wood beater. And it, it, I don't go straight through it. I usually like just crack it. Yeah, I cracked it, and then I was like, I think we're going to get through the lesson. I didn't even look up. I didn't even admit it. I could just feel, you know when you hit it, and then it comes back and smacks your shin, like a 30-second note later? Something stuck. And I'm like, what the hell? And then uh, I kept going, and I went straight through it. So, But anyways, guys, I think the point of what we're saying is there are so many flavors out there for you to create your own recipe with. But at the end of the day, don't overlook being simple and just getting single-ply coated single ply clear or double ply um it's pretty simple when i'm going to hit hard it's going to be double ply clear or coated on the top single ply on the bottom and then if i'm trying to get resonance out of my drums i like playing single ply um whether it be clear or coated i like single plies now just because my style my technique has changed to the point that i don't dent my heads anymore even when Mm -hmm. i play heavy i still pull the sound out of the drums um so really if i'm not going to hurt the head 
which I would have ten years ago. I would have destroyed those things. Um, then I can always I can always take that resonance out. I put one little Vader buzzkill on the edge, and yeah, it's gone. Right. Yeah. So so it's not about like oh, there's so much tone. It's like well, we have so many products out there with moon gel and drum dots and buzzkills and gaff tape, right. you know, and Benny <laughs> putting cotton balls in his toms. Like we can we can shut that down. So um, not to mention my drums have internal muffling. Job oh them. yeah, they got those robots inside of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I wish they were programmed like that. Dave Weckl compressor <laughs> mute compressor compressor <laughs> mute. <laughs> I wish I could tell them like one thirty second note after I hit the drum, lightly graze the bottom of the head. I would appreciate that little robot. You know, but. I don't know why this made me think of this, but did you see that the on CNN the Navy sh- showcased their laser weapon for the first time? I, I saw a post about the story, but I didn't actually see the story. It's terrifying. Terminator. It's a Terminator is upon really? us. I mean, they were melting airplanes from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you almost green teed my nose, bro. <sighs> They're silent and they just melt stuff out of the sky. <laughs> oh my goodness! And it costs one dollar to shoot it. Oh, that's so just. I, we shouldn't get into it, but that's just like, hey, just so you know, whatever you guys are thinking over there in those other countries, just calm the heck down. We're yeah. going to have to laser beam it. We're going to have to laser beam I mean, it, I was like, this can't be real. This has to be a, a story. You know what? Story. Great, to- great time to talk about our sponsor. That's right. <laughs> Wonder if Dream is using lasers to, to etch and cut their. Hey, I'm, sure, I'm sure they're engraving something. I've. I think I told did I tell you about that time we dropped the GoPro inside of Minel's uh, laser etching thing. No, did it? We did were, it laser it. Uh, it lasered the GoPro. Nice. Yeah, we, we gaff taped a GoPro to the top of the laser etching machine, uh, laser engraving machine, uh, so that we could get it, get the shot of it laser engraving my name on the bottom of the symbol, and the damn thing dropped and it fell down and just and they lasered like the lens and everything. Oh, amazing. What did it look yeah. like? What did the footage look like? Or did it uh, laser just bright, very bright. <laughs> <laughs> it's like white screen. It's like, uh. but I'm sure that the fine folks at Dream uh, don't have any people monkeying around and putting GoPros inside their laser engraving machines. Yeah. So uh, thanks, Dream, for sponsoring the show. This is episode. What are we at? 102. 102, buddy. Man. So they've been with us for a while now. I'm waiting for a package of new symbols for them to show up that I can review in an upcoming episode, but. <clears throat> hasn't arrived yet, so at this point, I'm just going to uh, suggest everyone go check out some of their their stuff. There's just have you seen they got something called a gorilla ride? Uh, no, but that makes my fingers go straight to. Google, so that sounds <laughs> no. awesome. I'm hoping that might be included in the package, but uh, and so, you're hoping that they listen to this episode exactly. before they ship it. I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, it looks pretty neat. So they have some new stuff coming out. We're also going to include in the show notes links to all of the demo videos that I've done of their, you know, their tri hats, which is a pretty ingenious idea. I can't believe no one else has done it before. Maybe they have, but no one's doing it currently. Where they give you three different size hi hats, you can mix and match them six different ways. Super oh, cool. cool. And we've got that. We got the stackers. We got the paper thin crashes. All that stuff will be in the show notes. So definitely check them out. Uh, thanks to Dream for sponsoring the show, and let me know if you're building any laser weapons. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like that gorilla symbol is their first in the Bliss line that's not meant to be a, a crash ride. It's like a standalone crash, um, but oh, it looks yeah? pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, let me know. Let me know about it. All right. All right. Now it is time <laughs> to talk about... 
We're talking about Clyde Stubblefield? Yeah, the late great. So we've got the, the tribute story for Clyde is in the August issue. If you haven't seen that, there's you know quotes from a bunch of our favorite drummers about how awesome Clyde was. We've got David Garibaldi transcribed the entire version of a guy. I got the feeling we just posted the full transcription wow. on moderndrummer.com. In the magazine, we just have excerpts, but if you go to the website, you can get the whole track. and it's That's so cool. It's a masterpiece. His left hand was, was not explainable. <laughs> <laughs> not fair. But what I did for this episode was I went um, through and grabbed four, I think it's four, maybe five. Five. Five of the classic drum breaks that from that Clyde played that have been on hundreds of records, um, starting with Cold Sweat. So we're going to drop it in and check it out. This I think this one is taken straight from the original recording, so you're going to hear the whole drum break. So let's check out Cold Sweat. So cold okay. sweat. How many times you practiced that beat, dude? Too many, <laughs> and never and never got even close to it. Yeah, you know, um, it just sounds so relaxed. It actually doesn't sound like what you think James Brown beats sound like in your head. As far as like, got to yeah. be stiff and got to be perfect. And um, the other thing that just strikes me right away because it's one of the few drum breaks that has a tom in it is how jazz tuned his kit was. Yeah, it was like a jazz kit, but the bass drum they took the front head off to make it punchier. Yeah, That's it's. It. I mean, it's so fun. Like, I mean, we've heard these things a million times, but being forced to listen with like our podcast ears on, yeah, it's totally different. Like, I'm hearing no, no dynamic shift in the ride. It's just like this perfect ting ting ting. It's not ding ding yeah. ding. You know, it's just right there, and it's it's like a, it's just supporting the groove. And then, yeah, every time he hits that tom, I'm like, dang, it's like. I can't even believe you're, but, but at the so same time, funky. I mean, I mean, yeah, it, exactly. If it would have been any other drum sound, it wouldn't nearly be as cool as it is. No, could you imagine like a, a ten with a Remo Zero ring on it? <laughs> <laughs> boom. Like it would have been, or boom, boom. It would have been terrible. But I think um, that's a, a, that that beat we started with because I think that started the whole. <clears throat> I mean, no one had really ever played on the off, you know, displaced the backbeat, displaced like the backbeat, so yeah. that you know is pretty important so let's jump to the one that everybody knows the funky drummer Mm -hmm. i think this one let me open it first i believe i grabbed a version that someone had already looped it so this is kind of the version you would hear on hip-hop records okay That does not sound like it could possibly be an, a live acoustic recording of a drum set to me. No. It sounds like there's like crazy triggers and samples layered in. It's, that's one human being. <laughs> that's annoying, man. And it sounds like they have maybe the uh, the Rezo head on the kick for that one. There's a lot yeah. of tone coming out of that kick. Um, it's just filling up the, the whole sound with low end. Man. And the hi hat. It sounds That's, like he's got a shaker strapped to his arm, but he doesn't. It's insane. Do you know? Um, so I've I've never researched it. Do you know how they recorded this? Is it just a few mics? Is it? Cl- I, would I would assume, assume so. they were doing close mics. I would at the assume. Time, right? I don't remember. I'm sure we we might have talked about it in the story, but 
I'm pretty sure James just took them all in the whole band in the studio and they just played. So there, yeah. there couldn't have been much time for them to do anything other than put a mic over the kit, put a mic in front of the bass drum, and let's go. Man. Oh, God, that's cool. <laughs> That'll what be a... one of those forever beats that I think we all are chasing. Yeah, agreed. All right, number three. So we got Soul Pride. Mm-hmm. like four different styles of roles in there <laughs> one i was like i think those are singles then the next one i was like no those are doubles then the next one was a, was a press roll and uh, i was yeah. like dang that's some texture yeah and it's what i love about his the stuff is it's funky and it's not super clean but he has some technique that's like you can't just fake that stuff it's like no, he has that I mean, perfect balance of like really great chops but also just loose as all hell i mean i love it yeah, like I mean, especially the the beginning of that is just floating between. Like, if he played that any straighter, it would sound just bland, right? Yeah. Da, 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 like flawlessly spaced. Um, <laughs> if he played it any more sloppy, it's just like it's just sloppy. So yeah. it's just right there where it's it's what we use the word feel for. It's right. like you can you can transcribe that if you want, but you can't get that feel because that's the human element of it. Um, man, and the dynamics. You can tell he's not hitting super hard. Right. But he's hitting hard enough, you know. It's like everything about it is. And the ride symbol, he's not crushing it. He's just kind of feathering it when he hits it a couple times. Another super tight, tight snare as well. I mean, I'm, you know, what? Gosh. So, do you know when that is? Yeah. Timing wise. Um, shoot, I've got it. Yeah, 1960. It. Oh, shoot, it's from the Soul Pride instrumental set, which is from 1960 to 1969. So I don't know okay. exactly okay. when that one was recorded. So these guys are still floating between the you know the jazz era and then getting into that next era, and then eventually we hit the <clears throat> real rock era where everyone just detunes everything. Yeah, and the funky drummer I believe was 1970. That was one of the later ones. Right, um, and then. Where is Cold Sweat? Cold Sweat is one of the earlier ones. That's 1967. So that's, I mean, yeah. 50 years ago. <laughs> so you can do the James Brown gig, go straight to the club, do your jazz gig. <laughs> yeah, Don't right. change the tuning. Yeah, it's. I mean, I've heard the drumming of this stuff, honestly, a million times, but I've never really, until right now, listened to the the tuning and the tonality and trying to like picture him playing the the instrument itself and what it must have been like but i can yeah. just you know see in my head you know you know when like your snare head starts to get that worn out middle and then it's kind of like black in the middle yeah yeah and, and then it's you know from you start your brush to, gig you stretch it down to where the the rim is almost level with the bearing yep. edge yep <laughs> i can just see it and, and it's like and i could see like his tech being like hey Clyde, i'm gonna change your head real quick and he's like boy don't change the head <laughs> I will have to punch you in the throat. I don't think that's how Clyde Stubblefield talked, but that's, <laughs> that's just when I make that motion with my hand. Don't Which touch no the drum head. See. <laughs> yeah, wait, of course. <laughs> All right. And I'm in the middle of a camp. All right, let's get into Think Break. So Think, this one... I'm not going to tell you which record it appears on, but it appears on a very important drum record. So see if you can recognize oh. it. 
So just that first couple seconds, you'll hear what what got used for a very important drum record for you and I. What? Right around the okay. second number two and three, where where you hear James Brown in the background, you know, okay, screaming. Well, I mean, I hear it as raw bass. No, a drum record. Oh, a drum record. Yeah. I, I don't know. Tell me. Vinny Cayuta's first record, or his only what? record, the first track. Yeah, that's what he uses in the backdrop of. Uh, of of the whatever it is the eight hundred thousand pound pizza track. Are you talking about I'm tweaked? I'm tweaked. Yeah, that's oh, that's his loop. Biscuits and buttercups, <laughs> yeah. blueberry pies. That's his loop that he displaces everyone's brain over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the chaos displacement. Goodness gracious. Yeah, that so is that awesome. One, I mean, that track is so cool. It, it and how the vocal actually becomes part of the drum track is I think super cool. But can we talk about how great of a drum record uh, Rob Bass and <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're over I feel like you're bearing the lead here, Dawson. Rob Bass is one of the greatest drum records of all time. It takes two to make things go right. Come on. All right. All Our right. last one is Tighten Up. This is probably my favorite. This this whole mm-hmm. record, this live record, Tighten Up is awesome. So here's the Tighten Up break. Come on, drums! I love that the bass player just came in like one bar early. <laughs> and he's like, gets that one note, boom, sorry. They're like, yeah, we're recording this live. I, we can't help you out on this one. Can't yeah, get you out. Exactly. <clears throat> so wait, what is that? That's from a, the live instrumental stuff that they put out, um, Soul Pride okay. Instrumentals. The same thing that uh, the other one came off of, Soul Pride. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's because the, they used to do, the band would play by itself for a while before they James came out and did his big reveal. I mean, they would just wow, jam. Okay. So there's recordings of them just getting down. I mean, that one is, if you want to know what a, what a single headed bass drum with a coated single ply head has, what the sound is, that's it right there. It's like he's knocking on a door almost. <laughs> oh, man. That is awesome. I, you know, I didn't know that that album existed. I'm really excited to, to check it out. Yeah, there's a whole That's box cool. set. They've compiled them all, so you get like all the intro s- sets where you know they're just warming up the crowd and they're just jamming. It's pretty awesome. That will be my uh, pick of the week in about two weeks. <laughs> like, like, like uh, I will do the traditional Steve Jobs thing where I th- say it's my idea. I'm like Dawson, you got to check this out. You know James's band? <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Awesome. Well, guys, check out Clyde Stubblefield. I mean, <clears throat> there's a reason he's a legend and. I'm, I hope that just hearing some of that stuff made you feel the way that it made me feel, which is like, wow, I got to get back into that. I got to, I got to dive in. I got to go deeper. Uh, that is yeah. just really cool stuff. And so, keep your ears open it. for when you hear, because <clears throat> he's being resampled all the time. So keep your ears right. open. You'll you'll recognize these five beats on so many pop and R and B and hip hop records. And yeah. you know, I mean, Vinny even used it on his record. So there you go, classics. Well. Alrighty, now let's get into some gear review. So the Ludwig Acrolyte series, uh, <laughs> it's funny. It's like the Beatles. Every 10 years, <laughs> yeah. it just comes out again. Yep. And people discover it for the first time. And um, what I've always found fascinating about the Acrolytes is they weren't meant to be 
great snare drums. Yeah. It was almost like an accident that they were as good as they are. Um, So we're talking about multiple sizes, but uh, multiple depths, but a 14-inch snare drum. This is a seamless aluminum shell. Yep. And... First of all, the fact that it's seamless, how was it meant to be a student snare in the first place? That seems like a lot of work well, for I mean, a, that's, that's, a cheap snare. That was the thinking back in the 60s. All right, we've got the superphonic shell. It's an aluminum shell. How can we make it cheaper? Well, we'll put two fewer lugs on it, and we won't chrome it. <laughs> and we'll call it the Acrolyte. And we'll use different lugs. We'll use cheaper lugs. And we'll wow. call it the Acrolyte. So it's essentially an eight-lug, unchromed superphonic. Now that's a great way to explain it. <laughs> yeah. Now I know where the where they cut the costs. Wow. So how many Ludwig Acrolytes have you owned in your lifetime? Uh, Acrolytes. Um, I currently have four of them. And Do you really? And there's one that I threw away. No, I currently have five of them, and there's one that I threw away. Because, Dang, because I've got... Like different eras. There's the '60s Keystone Badge era, and that's which has a slightly different sound than the '70s Blue Olive Badge. And then I got the Black Relight, which has got the black sparkle finish. And black then I had black the, Relight. Yeah, they call it a Black Relight. That is an awesome superhero <laughs> name. It's got like a Black Galaxy sparkle finish. Okay, and that's like my primary. Like if I'm just playing Wait, a local club, I use that. Drum. It has a it has a black sparkle finish on a. Like a paint, a, like a sparkle on, paint. On top of an aluminum shell. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. It's an awesome drum. I mean, people are usually sheepish about it. Yeah, I've got an Acrolyte, but it's not the real one. Like, yeah, but that's a cool-looking drum, and it still sounds like an Acrolyte. And they used to make 65 okay. by 14 black Acrolytes, which I've been hunting for. They're all wow. gone. I'm like, just, I saw one for sale about two years ago, and I didn't buy it. I'm like, why didn't you buy that? Because now everybody wants them. Right. So anyway, I've got that, and then I had to, I had to hunt down the original version version that i started playing drums on which it was sometime in the 80s or i'm not sure when but they they started like putting a speckled gray paint on them mm-hmm. so there's like I, yeah, I remember a, that most of them are kind of flat flat right. gray but there's like a speckled that's the one. student model that we're used to yeah so i've yeah. I located one that had that original wow. that so that's replacing the drum that i threw in the dumpster like an idiot when i was going away to college <laughs> and that's what size those are all five by 14s and i just okay. recently bought the reissued six snap by 14 right and are they still? I haven't looked up. I mean, I, I checked out all the specs on the new ones, but are they still affordable drums? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think I paid my parents paid three hundred for mine back in the early nineties, and I think the brand new ones might be four hundred. Okay, so it's essentially. But if you same. go on eBay, you can find the the sixties and seventies ones pretty cheap. Like yeah, one fifty range. I mean, one fifty. Yeah, I have. As many as I have, because I just scoured Craigslist and I found one for eighty bucks. I found one for seventy five bucks. I mean, like I can't pass it up. <laughs> it's like yeah, exactly. I could clean this thing up and sell it for ninety. It's slightly different. <laughs> yeah, I've got one but, that has yeah, single I mean, flange hoops on it. It's like you know, they're just my, yeah. my jam. That's so cool. <laughs> so you have a really really high end aluminum snare. You have uh, what's it called the uh, the Donette one? Yeah, the two end. Yeah, two the end. Aluminum. Okay. Yeah. So do you find that aluminum just has this very specific property, or do the acrolytes live in their own world? That's a very good question. I think of the the, the net drum being more of like a superphonic type of a sound. It's, okay. It's, it's more versatile, it's more dependable, and it, and it has just a more open sound. So that would be like, I'd use a Danette if I'm going to just, I need to get every sound possible out of one drum. Right. The Acrolyte is it's 
it's definitely more it's drier it's definitely yeah. uh, it has a it has a, a thinner sound uh, so if you really crank it up it sounds like Clyde Stubblefield but you can never get that thick chunky high sound that you would get from right. a, you know a more modern drum you know I've I've <clears throat> and I definitely don't know this because I haven't researched him a ton, a ton but I've always thought like man I bet Quest has a few acrylites that yeah. just sounds like yeah. his dry snappy sound you yeah. Know? <clears throat> yeah, it does that sound really well, but I I th- love the Acrylites for what they do in the low register. I, guess, I think oh, really? because okay. it's an eight lug drum and the paint, I guess, mutes it down a little bit. So if you tune it way, way down and muffle it up, it just it sounds like an 808 or a, a 909, yeah. whichever the Roland sample. It sounds like a floor tom with snares on it. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the so those, nom. Yeah, so those for me, that's what the Acrylite is almost untouchable for that sound. Uh, the six and a half that I just recently got is is a contender for my my uh, rock my all purpose rock drum. Really? So it, it, and I, I wouldn't take my old Superphonic out for like a gig like that because it's an old one and the throw off is junky. But the reissued one is you know it's it's still an, a, a Ludwig snare and a Ludwig strainer, but it's more stable. So gotcha. that's kind of becoming my like if I'm playing a hard rock gig with a lot of Led Zeppelin covers or something, that's the drum. And that that one is a new one, right? Brand new. <clears throat> I mean, I bought a used, but it's one of the reissued ones because they Ludwig only made a, maybe a couple thousand six and a half by fourteens ever in the Acrylite, wow. so they become ridiculously overpriced on the used market, like insane. You can pay as much for that as you would for like a Bell Bronze drum, which is it doesn't make any sense. Right. So they smartly reissued them. It's the exact same drum. It's the same specs. Right. It's the exact same drum, and still Ludwig. And you can get it for like under four hundred bucks easily. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I've I've had um, two in my lifetime, and uh, it's kind of one of those things where it's, it's not overly sneaky, but somebody comes to your house and is like, "Dude, I love that snare," and I'm like. I'd be willing to let it go for three hundred bucks, knowing <laughs> yeah. that I paid seventy five, and <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, man," and I'm like, "All right, man." Times, you know, I'm in my mid twenties. Times are tough. <laughs> I'd take that, <laughs> take those three spins. So, so yeah, I, I've unfortunately gotten rid of them, and now it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, how do I not have one of these? Oh, yeah. You know, I just so, I, <clears throat> and and I also want to start collecting drums again for reference points because. Obviously, my main reference in drums right now is Gretsch based. And mm-hmm. when right. people say, like, you know, tell me about a bronze snare, I'm like, well, I'll tell you about my personal 14 by 5 bronze, but I'd like to have a Ludwig and, yeah. you know, or, or somebody else where it's just like, yeah, you know what? I have three bronze drums from three different companies, and this is the unifying factor that allows me to give you my opinion on bronze as a shell mm-hmm. rather than just tell, because it's like, you know, my, my Gretsch 14 by 5 bronze has die cast hoops. I haven't tried it without diecast yeah, tubes, right, and, right. Um, and I only have it in a fourteen by five. Let me hear a fourteen by five and a half. Let me find out more about this stuff. Um, this is me trying to uh, justify. explain, justify building what I'm a about museum to do. in your house. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> in my storage space, I've already been told it's not coming in the house. Well, I can guarantee uh, the cheapest, most prized snare you'll, you'll ever get will be an acrylite. I yeah. can't think of any other legendary drum that you can get at a cheaper price than that. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, maybe you could find. I saw that one of those Remo uh, Acousticon snares was Acoustic, selling for yeah. like fifty bucks. I'm like, man, if people knew how awesome that drum was, it wouldn't be that cheap. I did not right. buy it, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, the other thing I like about the Acrolite is it looks cool. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. It's flat silver. How is that not cool? It's aluminum, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I love that. I love the look. <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm definitely going <clears> to <throat> look into getting one of those again. So, guys, check out Ludwig, Ludwig Acrolytes. You can find them everywhere. And I'm just stoked to see that they've reissued them. So. Yeah, and I, I have a video we'll link to. You know, maybe we should drop in a little bit of the audio. So what I did was I tuned my 5 and my 6.5 identical, like, is using the tune oh, bot. Okay. Everything is identical. So you can hear it going from, I think I had the fundamental F sharp, and I just drop it down a whole step until I'm at the bottom of its range. Uh, and I learned a few things that depth, I mean, these drums sound very, very similar. I mean, really crazy similar. You just get into the depth is giving you something. It's like, how do you define what that depth is giving you? I've, I've noticed just because I have a few drums that are... Um, replicated between i have the five and the six and a half the one thing i find is there's definitely a volume difference yeah i can just longer go so much yeah Yeah. um but yeah but when people i mean my 13 by 3 a and f goes as low as any snare i've ever had it holds tone and everything and it goes to full yeah so it's it's not about how low you can tune it it's just the drums have bigger body all right well let's let's give it a listen time for listener questions our first one is from brad brad needles he says uh, i currently have a dw5000 hi-hat with a standard clutch that came with it i'm having issues maintaining the right amount of looseness slash sloshiness of the top hat after dialing it in it always seems to loosen sometimes to the point of the bottom nut almost spinning off yep uh, years ago i played with it really tight which helped but he's tired of that stiff feel of the hi-hat symbol sure I, I don't know. I mean, does the 5000 not come with the drum key lock on the bottom? It, it does now. I, I would assume he just has an older stand. So, mm-hmm. honestly, Brad, just go to your local drum shop and order the newest version of DW's clutch. It'll give you the little nut that you can tighten on the bottom, and that'll never happen again. Exactly. It's really that simple. Problem solved. And, and the Remo one, the quick release, the same thing. It locks in. There's, I think just get a new clutch. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They're all Yeah, that's be honestly better. it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Thank you. The next one's from uh, Nick. He says, I gig quite often and I've struggled to maintain a consistent positioning for my whole setup. A friend of mine suggested drawing on my rug to outline the placement of the kit, but I don't know how I feel about marking up a rug. Uh, ah, so, man, I did this for years. So he says, I know you guys travel quite a bit and gig, so how do you achieve a consistency in your setup? I can't answer that question because I like it to be inconsistent. It's never exactly nice. the same. So for me, I embrace the fact that sometimes the 
the ride symbol is going to be too far. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. take a, I take a Jack White kind of approach. Like I've got to <laughs> wrestle with the drum kit for the first 10 minutes. There you go. Uh, I do the OCD approach, uh, or I did when I toured. Now with festivals and stuff, I don't. I mean, I make it work, whatever it is. But my drum rug was completely marked up, but not with any sort of marker or paint. It was marked up with white gaff tape. So I outlined every single pedal and stand placement with white gaff tape, which allows me to write on the white gaff tape, crash stand, ride stand, um, and it also allowed someone else to set up my drum set for me, and it was always perfect. So, uh, yeah, cool. just buy a roll of white gaff tape from any music retailer, and you will be golden. Yeah, and gaff tape, not duct tape, because duct tape Correct. will ruin your rug. Duct tape, will, it'll ruin your rug. It'll leave gum behind. Um, yes. Yeah, the gaff tape, I would after every tour, we'd take all the gaff off. My rug was fine, and then if I had a new style setup for the next tour, I'd re-gaff the rug. All right, next one comes from David. He says, I'm looking at the idea of only using three symbols, uh, which would be nice. include a pair of hi-hats. A pair of hi-hats, one crash, and one ride. Yep. Uh, did you ever stumble upon two crashes, crash rides, or a crash and a ride combination that works really well together, that both symbols crash nicely and still have decent stick definition? I just heard my teeth whistle. That is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have dentures yet, but I don't know what. Anyway, like Danny Glover over there. So he says, I have three Sabian HHX and HH crashes and a Zildjian K custom dark ride. Mm. Um, The combination of the 18 inch HH medium thin and the 20 Zildjian K custom dark rides kind of works, but the ride is not very crashable. Mm. So, I mean, I guess you have to speak from the Minos catalog of what you think would work. Uh, I can just all I can say is I just achieved that recently, and, and it became and it was because of my band. Um, and so yeah, I've got a 22 inch Big Apple Dark Ride on my left over my Rack Tom, which is really thin and crashable, but has a ton of stick definition. And then I have the transition ride to my right, which is my traditional ride. It's a 21 inch ride. Um, but it, it gives me like that normal bell that I need and I can still kind of crash on it. And then I have some 15 inch, uh, hats. Uh, I, I don't think that that's a minor thing. I think you could find that with anybody. Yeah. I think you just need to study drummers that do that setup. Uh, Carter McLean comes to mind. My 22 inch big apple dark ride is a response to lately. I've just been into a lot of Istanbul agop drummers yeah. and, I was like, well, I, I, I wish Minel made something that kind of gave me that feel. And then I went through all my rides that I have, and I was like, oh, they do. This this 22-inch Big Apple Dark Ride gives me what I was looking for. Right. Um, but on that ride, the reason it sounds the way it does is because there's no bell, pretty much. So mm-hmm. that's why I have my transition ride, which has a nice big bell, clear bell. So what about you? Um, I would say, yeah, you're going to have to err towards the side of thinner, darker, jazzier symbols mm-hmm. which i think you're gonna have to examine how you're hitting the symbol like carter's symbols are paper thin so he yeah he knows exactly how to hit them so he can still get some definition and that would be i think the case with your k custom dark ride it's just a little bit too thick to crash even though that's a thin symbol you're gonna have to go down to like look at the corrope line but those are really thin the corrope what medium, about those new oh, i was gonna say what about those new dark ones they just introduced uh, the thing? special dries. Yeah. Well, no, the, I mean you could, but um, they're they're a specialty item. The ride okay. is really dry, so the crash okay. hits and like gets out of the way in half a second. You can gotcha. you can crash it, but you can't like get a big crash ride sound out of it. So I would look at the corrode medium, the twenty inch corrode medium or twenty two mm. inch corrode medium, or 
look at the Constantinople line, or if you're in Sabian, look at the Artisan series. Istanbul, that's kind of what all their stuff does, the Mehmet and, mm-hmm. and the Agop. So you're going to have to, like, you're going to have to go to a thinner set of symbols and, and, and Peisty has the big beats and the masters thins and the giant beats. So there's, there's tons of this stuff out there, but you're going to, you're going to sacrifice articulation. You're going to have to learn how to compensate with your touch. And don't be scared to, to leave that 20 inch limitation behind. Um, yeah, I, trust me. I never thought I'd have a 22 over my rack Tom. Right. I just was like, are yeah. you what? No, it has to be smaller than your ride. You <laughs> right. can't have the, you know, and then it's like, uh, it's I probably I got better to have a 20 and a 22. Cause then you said an 18 and a 20, the 18 is going right. to always sound like a crash. I think yep. no matter what. So I would go 22, yeah. 20 or 24, 20 or something yeah. like that. There you go. All right, Boom. so that's our questions. Thank you. Send them in if you have more. We still have a stack, but we could always use more. MDinfo at moderndrummer.com. We would love to hear your audio questions as well. Always drop those mm-hmm. in. Pick of the week. Right, buddy. I'm going with the pick of the week that you made fun of me for a couple times, <laughs> a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I think it was the Evans UV1 drum head demo where I was using this giant T-Rod. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't make fun of you. I was just like, did you not have a key around? Like, what is that thing? Anyway, it is the it's a company called Cruise Tools, and I believe they started out making motorcycle tools, like okay. you know wrenches that can reach all throughout the body of a motorcycle. So they have two things. It's actually a dual pick of the week. The multi tool Cruise Tools multi tool has screwdrivers and hex wrenches and a drum key and all this stuff into one real compact thing you can throw in your stick bag. I take that with every gig just as a safety in case something breaks. Uh, and it's real it's real sturdy it's real strong and then but the the t-ride drum key is the the silly thing you were making fun of me of it's a huge <laughs> drum key but for me because i always have microphones on my snare it's the only way i can adjust the tension rides closest to the microphones without having to move the microphones because okay. it's an elongated stem that yeah. you know extends probably eight inches above the drums and i don't have to move the mic and also for bass drum lugs i don't have to take the uh the pedal off to, to adjust the lugs closest to the pedal i totally <clears throat> i get it you don't have to justify I mean, it to me man it's not something i would take to a gig because it is a giant t it's probably i don't know the dimensions it's probably like 10 inches tall and maybe no it's yeah it's dang near a drumstick <laughs> with, a, with a with a with a grip at the end of it um but, but i could totally tool, see using it yeah, for that reason it's awesome so the, cruise the other tools. thing is sorry i didn't mean to catch up but the multi-tool is like super afford- affordable yeah exactly um, it's less than twenty bucks, and it's and not it's, like it's a really well one. made. Yeah, it's not a chintzy thing that's going to break. It's all steel and real sturdy, and it's got all the different hex wrenches to fit like your you know, double pedal or whatever. Whatever has a random hex wrench, it's it's a good little piece. Love so it. Check them out, Cruise Tools. What's your pick, bro? If you wanna if you wanna get me back, this is your chance to make fun of me. <laughs> all right. You a big fan of Selena Gomez? Because uh, here it comes. Don't <laughs> yeah, really exactly. Know who that is. <laughs> I am totally uh, picking a Selena Gomez track as my pick of the week. Stick with me here, Dawson. All right. uh, I'm glazing so, over a little bit. Let's go. I know. <laughs> uh, so in 2015, she released the album Revival, which was like after a break. She kind of was trying to shed that teen pop thing and come back as an actual artist. Uh, the album's called Revival. My pick of the week is a ballad uh, called Camouflage. And the reason why is. There are no drums and there are there's no percussion in the whole track. And if you want to practice your timing, this is a fantastic slow 55 BPM ballad where it's she's giving you a free drumless track that you get to be the drummer on. 
and I I had some of the campers play to it, and it's rough because she is very loose with her vocal phrasing, but the mm. song is in time. You have to really block her out at times to really focus on the piano. The piano's playing like a 16th note type of feel, so there is time there, but it's a great play-along track, and it's a, it's a great ballad. It's, it's a really good song, but... It's my pick of the week because you're getting a free play-along track. That's um, cool. And that album itself actually has quite a few tracks that m- don't have any drums, maybe just a little bit of percussion for you to keep time with. But that song has nothing, and you got to really work on your time. So it's going to be one of my time songs for quite a while now. I'm going to put it in, a, in my timing playlist. Dig it. What's, it. what's the name of it? The song is called Camouflage. Camouflage. And it's from the album Revival. Awesome. And... And, of course, she's almost not – well, she is completely nude on the cover. So every time you're trying to show the song to somebody, they're like, oh, it's cool, man. I don't need to see it. I'm like, dude, it's an album cover. It's not like – not some weird text that somebody sent now. me. Yeah. yeah. It's now – like, I didn't choose it. It's like, But I kind of want to, like, somehow trick my iTunes into, like, just a, a picture of a car or something for that album cover. It's like, dude, I don't need to see that every time I'm trying to play to this track. So, all right, everybody, keep it clean. Everyone, have a fantastic week. I'm going to get back into drum camp. Uh, Mike and I will give you our crazy timing exercise next week. Uh, and then I think maybe the following week, I'll, we'll have to do this from Ireland or maybe the week after. But No, we're doubling up. Oh, is that what we're doing? Yeah, Amber I mean, got it all figured yeah, out for we're, us? We're going to hate each other by the end of that week. <laughs> It's still going to be better than the time we had to do the same podcast three times in a row. So. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic week. Uh, keep sending all of your emails and comments into mdinfo at Mike's Lessons. <laughs> or that. You could try that. <laughs> all right. I'm going to have to go into GoDaddy and create that email address. mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. And if you can, please go to wherever you're listening to this podcast and give us a high rating. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us keep doing this. So have a great week. See ya. MD info at modern Mike's Mike Mike's modern drummer dot Mike's modern naked dot com. <laughs>